Welcome back to this week's episode of the Two Men Wall Podcast. This is the international break. Uh, we we figured we'd we'd throw something out there for the international break, you know, fill the for the dead silence that uh, that we've had. Maybe not dead silence, some pretty tasty uh, international fixtures, but um, none of which I actually indulged in myself. Um, but before we get into that, uh, I had a little trip this weekend. I made my way up to London. Um, specifically, I stayed at my friend's um, kind of apartment complex in actually Tottenham. Um, which is cool. How dare you? Uh, How could you? <laughs> it wasn't my choice. It wasn't easy to commute to the Emirates Stadium when I went to go um, check out the team store, check out the new art outside the stadium. I'd do a tour because I've already done it um, and I didn't have that much time. Um, but um, actually, team store is very disappointing. I was going to get a home kit Alexander Zinchenko jersey, but not only did they not have any home kits, they didn't have any kits. They had one kit. Whatsoever? They had one kit. It was not one physical kit, one like selection of kits. It was a whole wall of double XL and triple XL third kits, pink third kits. They were completely out of stock. And honestly, wow. I'm disappointed. But so be it. But this weekend I, you know, I spent my weekend in in Tottenham. But there is one person that did not spend their weekend in Tottenham. <laughs> and that is Antonio Conte. We have yet another manager casualty. Back to back, Patrick Vieira to uh, Mr. Antonio Conte. And this one, we could see uh, brewing a little bit. I shouldn't say brewing, storming. Um, so now that we know what we know now about the Conte firing, that this crazy outburst last week was, you know, the direct relation to his his sacking. Um, and a lot, a lot of what we said last week was like he needs to get performances out of these players blah 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 blah. why is he doing this well i guess it's become a little bit more clear now that he see it seemed like he was on his way out the door anyway and he just wanted to say you know fuck all of you yeah i mean right right after the press conference each passing day just seemed more and more inevitable that conte was going to be gone and honestly i'm surprised it took that long once you've created that sort of atmosphere in the dressing room where Clearly, Conte just wasn't passionate about the project. The players haven't bought into him as a manager, or maybe they have, but I'm sure a lot of them felt you know, betrayed by his comments. Yeah, it was, it was just inevitable that him and Tottenham were never going to work out past that point. So I'm sure he'll be happy to have left Tottenham, uh, but... Is there any manager now? That begs the question. Is there any manager now that can succeed with Tottenham? Because you bring in serial winners like Jose mm. Mourinho, like Antonio yeah, yeah, yeah. Conte. And for both of those managers, Tottenham is the only club where they haven't won a trophy. Where do you go from here? Uh, I, I think you rebuilt because it's, I, I, I'm taking, I want to, if I'm a Spurs fan, I want my club to take a little bit out of Arsenal's book. Because it just, I don't know, it, it's, it's clear that rebuilds work. Um, and they don't have the team like Man City did when they brought in Guardiola um, to say like, hey, this squad is functional. We just need the right guy at the helm. It's not. It's poorly built. Um, their signings this summer, which we thought would be, oh my God, an amazing summer of signings. 
Perisic has been okay. Richarlison is Richarlison has doesn't have a goal in the league. Jed Spence has been loaned out. Longley's been horrible. Like, uh, it's clear that this is not just a managerial problem. This is a fundamental club issue. And when you have fundamental club issues, you need to gut it and start from scratch. That's what Arsenal did um, after Emery, and I think that's what Spurs need to do now. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, like you said, it's a cultural problem. In the same way Arteta changed the culture at Arsenal, you can just see that the fan base has a completely different outlook. Same with Man United and with Eric Ten Hag, he brought a different style of coaching, a more disciplinary style, which, again, Conte tried to implement. There's no doubt that Conte also tried to change the culture at Tottenham. It just didn't really work. Slash Conte wasn't really invested enough if Conte was truly invested in Spurs I think he would have had a bit more patience possibly with them because he probably should have known that it would take a bit longer to kind of change the culture there yeah but hey if he's not into it you need a manager who really wants to be there and clearly he wasn't so Spurs need to find a manager who can change the culture of the club but also is willing to be patient and the Mm -hmm. Owners also need to be patient, too. Yeah, I. it's safe to say that Steve Levy, or uh, Steve Levy? Daniel is Levy. Name? Daniel Levy. Oh, Steve Levy. I, I think it's an analyst for ESPN. Um, <laughs> uh, Daniel Levy is not the best of the best when it comes to player recruitment, when it comes to, you know, squad building. It's it, it, Their team has been behind. They've spent, you know, equally over the last three managers, Nuno, uh, Conte, Pochettino. Mourinho, they spent. They've given them backing. Have they given them Guardiola backing? No, they they don't have the funds for that. But um, they they've backed them. They they had a very very busy summer, and it's been horrible. It has not worked out. But, but you, I didn't talk about Basuma. Basuma cost him a, a pretty penny. Nothing. Like it's. Meanwhile, Arsenal are getting guys like Zinchenko for for the same price, who are like you know the drivers of the team, and it's. It's clear that player recruitment has something to do with this. I think if they gave Conte a more functional squad, and maybe maybe it is Conte's fault. Who who knows? Maybe, you know, Richarlison's clearly a very good goal scorer, and he's not scoring any goals. Maybe that's Conte's fault. I don't know. But it's it's clear that something needs to change. They're not one manager away. They were never one manager away. Um, and when you're not one manager away, it it doesn't really doesn't make sense to just go for that manager like you are one manager away, you know? Yeah. But anyways, the main content of our podcast this week, we said we teased a little bit in the last podcast, but in honor of March Madness, the, you know, superb, supreme basketball tournament in the United States, college basketball tournament in the United States, everyone tunes in for it. We're going to do a little bracket of our own. We're doing a 16-team bracket, and the topic is all-time Premier League 11s. So, Ethan and I have consensusly not it, we kind of done it loosely because we want uh-huh. we don't want to have to um you know just give it to the one seed automatically. Yeah. Um, but you know I wouldn't pay attention to the seedings with like perfect you know um mm-hmm. you know rankings because we want to we want to see some matchups a little bit. Um, but we ranked the six one through sixteen, the best sixteen 
uh, Premier League sides that we've seen of the last. Tw- I think the the oldest one we have up here is the Trebles, the Treble winning team of ninety eight, ninety nine. Mm. Um, before that, I don't, I don't know enough about the Alan Shearer Blackburn team to really like yeah. put it up <laughs> against City seventeen eighteen. Like I just don't, mm. and I I would be you know lying to the microphone if I sat here and like tried to compare them because I just don't know enough about them. And look, I'm twenty one years old. I didn't live through that shit. I didn't live through the Treble team either, but at least I know more about them. Yeah. Um, it's a bit yeah. more recent history that's been yeah. filtered through, yeah, you know, our social media, YouTube, uh-huh. yeah, you know, feeds and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we capped it at the ninety-eight, ninety-nine. That was the oldest team we have. We got a whole bunch of teams in here, most of them title winning. Um, and without any further ado, let's get into it. Starting off with the one versus 16 matchup. I guess I should explain how we're going to do this. It'll be a consensus between me and Ethan if we're mm. at a at a complete crossroads. Um, tiebreaker, maybe points scored that season will we'll go forward or, uh, yeah. I don't know, coin flip. One of the two. Um, but let's start off with the one versus 16 matchup. The one seed being the 2017-2018 Manchester City Citizens and the 16-ranked team being the 2014-2015 Chelsea Blues. Now, let's get into these teams a little bit. Starting off with the one seed, the back line of Mendy, Laporte, Stones, Walker, Ederson. These are the Centurions, remember. Um, And then Silva, Fernandinho, De Bruyne making up the midfield, and then Sterling, Jesus, and Aguero making up the front three, the most points scored in a Premier League season versus the 16th seed, Chelsea in 14-15, looking at Courtois, Azpi, Terry, Cahill, Ivanovic, then a midfield of Matic, Fabregas, Oscar, and a forward line of Hazard, Willian, and Costa, along with an aging Drogba, aging Czech on the bench, um, Andre Sherlock, Quadrado, those pieces. Obviously, 17-18 uh, City had their pieces as well. Leroy Sané's and like, but I, I I don't think there's much to say about this one, Ethan. No, there's definitely no debate who's going through here, but I do think that the 16th seed for this Chelsea team is a little low because mm-hmm. this is a team that had a lot of quality. You had Courtois coming into his own. This is really the start of his you know fantastic career. Yeah. Then you had Eden Hazard, you know, pretty much in his prime. Yeah. Diego Costa yeah. certainly in his prime willian in his prime too fabregas not in his prime but still i think he had 18 assists this year oscar before he you know took the china money yeah uh so this is a very well-rounded chelsea team that i I think could be as high as maybe like a 13 14 seed Mm -hmm. there's definitely some teams in here that i think weren't as good as this team but again when you compare them to the centurions Mm -hmm. there's really not much you can do yeah i think when you when you look at it on paper Maybe it's mm-hmm. closer, but like this team, especially coached by Guardiola, just it's it's a team that has clicked like we've hardly ever seen before. This team was just it, you couldn't stop them. Like you could only try to hope they had a bad day to take points off of them, and that's basically what Liverpool did when they won at Anfield um, against that team. So yeah, it, it's uh, maybe on paper, you know, Jesus. You're looking at Jesus up top when you got William, Diego Costa, and Hazard. Maybe that does does that line up? Maybe not. But th- this Centurions team, there's a reason why they're the one seed. They they're just like the mo- one of the most fluid teams that's ever been created on a football pitch. Um, and I think they go through pretty easily. 
yeah on on their day they're just absolutely yeah. unplayable and when we get further into this they may not have as many quote like legendary players of course they have aguero yeah. de bruyne david yeah. silva fernandinho but again some of these names you know aren't gonna you know be forever etched in premier league history sure. but when when you just see how this team played that season you know i think they had what like an 18 19 game like winning yeah. streak i think that was that's the record yeah they set the record yeah yeah, I mean, what more can you say? Every, every player was having one of their best seasons that year, if not their best. So, no-brainer that they're going through. All right. Next matchup is the 8-9 matchup, and this time we got two Chelsea teams. The yep. 16-17 Blues versus the 09-2010 Blues, starting off with the 16-17 Blues. Thibaut Courtois in net, Azpi, Terry, Cahill, Ivanovic, Matic, Fabregas, Pedro, and then Hazard, Costa, and Willian up top. Very similar to the team we just saw. Um, this team, obviously, another title-winning team uh, in between the, the 10th place finish. Uh, but this team kind of took advantage of some of their aging players. I don't think we'd expect, we'd expect to see as good of Fabregas as we saw th- this season. Um, maybe as good of a Cahill, maybe as good of a Pedro as we saw this season. Um, but that... Aspi was getting up there. Ivanovic was getting up there. Cahill was getting up there. Matic. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys, this is not a young team, but Acosta, nah. too. Like, but they, they put it together, and they, they won the title. That, that was um, Conte, I believe. Yeah, no. This, this is a really good Conte team. He kind of popularized the 3-4-3 the three, three this season with mm-hmm. Marcus Alonso and very yeah, often yeah. Victor Moses. He kind of rotated yeah, yeah, that yeah. formation and i remember arsenal adopted that towards the end of the season i think beat chelsea in the fa cup final with it yeah but yeah this was a really really good chelsea team obviously coming off the back of a 10th place finish the season before the sacking of jose Mourinho, it just was a chelsea team with a ton of energy like eden hazard of course again chelsea finishing 10th the season before hazard one of the best players in the league coming off a really down year then being right back on again so it was a really exciting team to watch and that season at the time they'd set the record for the most wins in a premier league season 30 with 93 points so definitely a really really competitive chelsea team in this bracket and the second team in this matchup is another chelsea team it's the 09 2010 blues petercheck and goal cole terry ricardo carvalho and jose Bonsingwa at right back, I believe. They, that might have been a rotational right back. Um, but this is the one that they... I, I think this is go, goes on most appearances. Um, then mm. a midfield quad of Lampard, Balak, Essien, the, the core, and then Joe Cole in front of them. Striker duo of Didier Drogba and Nicholas Anelka. Um, this one, pretty formidable as well, even. Yeah, I mean... This team, you look at the quality in there, Drogba and then the midfield trio of Lampard, Balak, and Essien with Joe Cole too. I mean, that is just filled with quality. And the center back duo, Ricardo Cavallo, John Terry, Petrček in that, Ashley Cole left back. I mean, this team is full of, mm. you know, Premier League legends. And they scored 103 goals this season. So clearly a free scoring team. This is... I mean, it's the 8-9 matchup, and rightfully so, because there is very little to separate these two Chelsea teams. Both of them 
on their day could just tear up anybody. So maybe we dissect the benches a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Making up some players on the uh, 09 bench. Deco, um, Daniel Sturridge was on the bench. Solomon Kalu was on the bench for this team. Um, John Obi Mikel was on the bench for this team. So some Fabio Barini at striker. So this one, this one was a solid bench for the uh, for the 09 team. And then 16-17, looking at wow, Shalabo's on this team. Michi Bashiwai was uh was the backup striker for this team of those years. Uh, you said Victor Moses came off the bench for this team. Agola Conte was on this team too. Um, and then yeah, yeah we I, didn't even mention Angola Conte. Yeah, he was. I mean, I can't believe he. Surely he should be slotted into this team uh, for Nemanja Magic. He was player of the season this season. So I don't I don't know what website we got these uh we got these elevens <laughs> from. Is Angola Conte should definitely be part of this yeah. eleven. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own assumptions on these elevens. Um, apologies for the uh. <clears throat> the research um but yeah david louise was one of the defenders in this team um mm-hmm. so this is this is a deep team I, I i think i can throw uh the 16 17 squad through honestly for me i'm s- it's still a tough debate because i do think that chelsea uh 16 17 definitely had more depth and was definitely more adaptable mm-hmm. than the 09 uh 2010 team but I mean, the firepower on this team and the goal-scoring ability of Didier Drogba and then from midfield with Lampard and Balak. Mm-hmm. All, I don't think I have enough of an argument in here to put in the 2010 title-winning Chelsea team over the 2017 one, but it's a bit closer for me. But we'll put the 2017 one through. All right. So in the next round, it'll be the 20... 20- 16 2017 blues versus city but we'll get to that in the second round um the second matchup the third matchup i should say is the four seed maybe maybe a little bit low but still the four seed manchester united treble winning team of 98 99 versus the united 2012 2013 team um let's check out those teams real quick or maybe we shouldn't um according to the website we used um the most common eleven for the night for the treble winners was Peter Schmeichel and goal. Peter Schmeichel and goal. Dennis Irwin at left back. Yap Stam and Ronnie Johnson at center back, and then Gary Neville. Then David Beckham, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Dwight York, and Andy Cole. Um, I believe Solshar was one of the main guys off the bench for this team as well. Yeah. Um. Versus the number thirteen. Manchester United, Red Devils, De Gea in goal, Patrice Ever at left back, Vidic and Rio Ferdinand and Raphael rounding out the defense, midfield of Shinji Kagawa, Tom Cleverley, Michael Carrick, Antonio Valencia right mid, and then the strike duo, one of the best ever in the Premier League, Robin Van Persie and Wayne Rooney. Yeah, so this 2013 team was very top-heavy and bottom heavy the mm-hmm. the midfield had a couple of nice you know consistency players like Kagawa like Carrick but really it was all about the center back duo of Vidic and Fernand and then the strike duo of Rooney and Van Persie I mean both of those two made up some of the best center back slash striker duos of all time in the Premier League 
But the rest of the team all around, I don't think, really compares to this trouble-winning team of 99. Almost every... I mean, we talk about, you know, all-time Premier League strike duos. York and Cole are mm-hmm. right up there with Rooney and Van Persie. Then Beckham and Giggs on the wings, Keane, Skulls, that entire midfield will eventually be, you know, in the Premier League Hall of Fame. I know they just, they're doing a new round of inductees mm-hmm. as we speak right now. They just inducted uh, Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson. But yeah, uh, Yapstam, Dennis Irwin, Gary Neville, Peter Schmeichel, all of them are well-known, you know, Premier League icons as well. I don't think this 2013 United team really has a dog in this fight. I agree. Um, it's tough to discount anything that the Trevor winners did. It's so hard to do that, and it takes a squad. You know, what to win a to win a, a Premier League, it takes an eleven. Uh, to win a Champions League, it takes an eleven. To t- to win the treble, it takes a a deep squad. And when you talk, want to talk about like teams, um, not just starting elevens, but squads as a whole, it's tough to. It, you might even say this is the best one there ever was. So, I think we're gonna send the treble winners through. And then we move to the fifteen. The five versus twelve game, Chelsea o four o five versus Arsenal o one o two. Starting off with Chelsea o four o five, William Gales, John Terry, Ricardo Carvalho, and Paulo Ferreira with Petrček and goal, and in the midfield trio of Lampard, Cole, and Makalele. Um, and Damian Duff, Didier Drogba, and Ian Robin off the right versus the Arsenal team of two thousand two thousand one. David Seaman and goal, Ashley Cole, Sol Campbell, Martin Keown, and Lauren rounding out the back, and then Pires, Vieira, Ray Parler, Freddie Lumberg, and the strike duo of Thierry Henry and Sylvian Wiltord. Um, what do we think of this Chelsea team? Yeah, I think this Chelsea team is one of the more underseeded ones in this bracket. I think this team at the five is a little low considering they conceded 15 goals all season, which is an accomplishment that I genuinely don't think we're ever going to see again from a Premier League team. You talk about other fantastic achievements. The Invincibles, of course, we'll get into. We already talked about the Centurions, and both of those are achievements that won't be rivaled for a very, very long time. But I think... It is conceivable that a team could get 101 points or that we could see another team in the next you know, 20, 30 years go a season unbeaten. I really don't think that I'm, I'm ever going to see a team in my lifetime that only concedes 15 goals in a Premier League season. So this is this Chelsea team in its absolute prime. And this is a great Arsenal team, but obviously their prime was you know, two years later with the Invincibles, they're still yet to bring in Dennis Bergkamp into this team or mm-hmm. for him to have a really big impact like he did in the Invincible season. So I, I think Chelsea have to take this one, even though it's a good Arsenal team. I believe they did win the double that mm-hmm. year, but you know, they didn't win the league in convincing fashion. You know, it was a tight race and Chelsea were just so dominant that year that I think there's no question Chelsea go through. Yeah, I agree with that. It's I, I always like try to defend 
you know, the Arsenal teams, but it's, yeah, it, I mean, they, there were some absolute legends in this team, you know, Seaman Campbell, Cole, Vieira, Pires, Henri, um, Ray Parler is an Arsenal, you know, staple. Um, but yeah, it's, when you talk about what a team did over the course of a season, it's, it's no question that this is one of the accomplishments uh, defensively ever in any top five league. So uh, I'm okay with this. There's a reason they're ranked the fifth. Um, and Arsenal, that Arsenal team was ranked the 12th. So I'm okay with sending him through. Um, and then we have the three versus 14 matchup. Liverpool 19-20 versus United 2000-2001. Liverpool 19-20 comprising of Alisson Becker and goal, Andrew Robertson, Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. At right back, midfield trio of Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Fabinho, and the strike trio, you know it, you love it, of Mane, Salah, and Firmino. Versus the 2014, not 2014, number 14 seed United team of 2000-2001, Fabian Barthez in goal, Dennis Irwin at left back, Ronnie Johnson and Yapstam at center back, Gary Neville at right back, Giggs, Skulls, Keane, and Beckham, and then Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole, the strike partnership, a classic 4-4-2. Um, let's dive in to <clears throat> this Liverpool team real quick because this was a special one. Yeah, this Liverpool team definitely could have, I think if not for COVID, there's a good chance they could have broken the 100-point uh, the record. This was one of the most dominant uh, Premier League campaigns you're ever going to see. And a lot of people wanted to put an asterisk on their title win just because obviously it was the COVID year and there was a big break in the middle and people didn't really know how it was going to pan out. But Liverpool put this season beyond any sort of doubt the season before of course they put up 97 points and still lost the title but they got their vengeance and were i think they also did get 98 points in the yeah uh, 2020 season well they they lost by two they put up a ridiculous number and they lost by two points um yeah so but yeah, this Liverpool team was the culmination of years of uh, pushing City for these titles. Obviously, yeah. they had already won the Champions League the season before. And this was Liverpool at the peak of their powers. Firmino, Salah, Mane, Van Dijk. This was just such a well-rounded team. Mm. They were just so energetic and unstoppable. If you want to talk about, like, you know, strike duos, maybe there's better strike duos, but front threes, you know, since mm -hmm. the the um late two thousands when teams started moving away from the four four twos and into the four three threes, um, and into like the right wing, left wing strikers, um, this probably is the best front three I, I could think of in the Premier League. It's uh, I mean, you want to talk about the Man City ones. I think it was a product of maybe Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Yaya Torre, David Silva kind of energizing that front three rather than the front three doing it themselves. But Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Fabinho, there's no creative midfielder in there. They did this by themselves. The creative midfielder was Roberto Firmino, mm -hmm. dropping it as a false nine. Yeah. He was the creative midfielder. Um, this was tactical genius. Uh, Trent was also the creative midfielder. Um this this inter introduced to the world this like overlapping wing back 
system that nobody could stop. Um, especially with the quality of crosses from these wings. Uh, Virgil van Dyke, player of the season campaign. Uh, Allison Becker and goal, you know, fantastic as always. This is, <clears throat> this is arguably the best Premier League team ever. Um, and this, it's a no-brainer for me. But we will get into um, this United team of 2000-2001. Obviously, some very brand names in here. Teddy Sheringham, Roy Keane, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, David Beckham, Gary Neville in here. Um, Andy Cole, obviously, one of the top Premier League goal scorers ever. Um, from the midfield up, this is formidable. Um, but it, I don't think this this defense... Really, as as solid as I'm sure it was. This is oh oh, this is before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say I've watched too many highlights of t uh, of this uh, 2000 2001 team, but uh, from the from the midfield up, this looks pretty you know all star team like. Um, but the defense it just doesn't put up the the same caliber as, as the Liverpool one. Well, it's a very similar team to the treble winning team, but in terms of performance this year or performance that year, I should say, they only put up 80 points in the league, still enough to win by 10, but certainly not as impressive. In terms of goal scoring, they had Terry Sheringham as the top goal scorer on 15. Next highest uh, was Solskjaer on 10. So not the highest scoring team, especially for a team with that sort of quality. Uh, it's, it was the, this title competed the, completed the three-peat for that United team, and obviously it was a legendary yeah. United team uh, right before Arsenal and Chelsea would kind of have their couple of years to be at the top of the Prem. But it's probably the worst version of those three title-winning United teams. So when you put that in comparison with this Liverpool team, which was at the very peak of its powers, I don't think there's any argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Liverpool 1920 going to go through there. Moving on to the six versus 11 city 2018, 19 versus man United 99, uh, 2000 going to see a pretty similar United team to the one we just saw, but starting off with city 1819, uh, Ederson and goal, Mendy, Laporte, John stones and Walker in the back. Then midfield trio of Fernandinho, David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. And then Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, and Sergio Aguero, the three up top, versus the uh, 1999-2001, or 2000 United team. Uh, Bosnich in goal, Irwin at left back, Ronnie Johnson, Yapstam, center back again, Gary Neville at right back again, Giggs, Skulls, Keane, Beckham, as you saw, this is essentially the same team as before. Uh, with Bosnich and goal, and then Dwight York and Andy Cole up top. So Dwight York instead of um Teddy Sheringham. Nice upgrade. Dwight York obviously a legend. Um, Teddy Sheringham obviously also a legend. Um, but let's look at this city team. Very similar to the Centurions. Um, you know, not clicking at the same. It's tough to click at that same caliber that they did during the Centurion season. But um, this team almost identical. A little more aged, but the Raheem Sterling, top of his game. Sergio Aguero, unstoppable as always. David Silva, I believe this was bald David Silva era. Yeah. Um, which was just a whole another level of midfielder. Um, 
And then obviously Kyle Walker, I have been known to give Kyle Walker <clears throat> his flowers, uh, even when he doesn't deserve it. Uh, I think he's one of the best right backs in the Premier, in Premier League history. Um, and this was certainly him at his, in his prime defensively. Um, yeah, this is, this is a very formidable team. Yeah, this is, like you said, it's essentially the same exact team as uh, the Man City team of a season before, but they were playing against a more developed Liverpool uh, yeah. team who obviously pushed them you know, all the way to the end in the title race. So I don't think there's too much else to say really about this Man City team. There's not too many more flowers to give. But I do want to talk about this United team because me personally, this matchup is my favorite of the first round. And this United team, I think, has been heavily underseeded because personally, I think this is an even better United team than the one that won the treble. I mean, the treble winning United team didn't didn't win the title in as convincing a fashion as this team did. Because United won a title by 18 points this, that year on 91. So they put up yeah. a really big number. Obviously, the next year they still won the title, but put up 11 points less. So uh-huh. really, really fantastic year for, again, a United team in their prime. We already talked about, we've talked about the United teams on either side of that year. So we don't really have to get into the players so much. But... Like I said, the following year, the top goal scorer was Sheringham with 15. Mm-hmm. This year, they had Andy Cole with 19 goals and Dwight York on 20. So this front two was absolutely clicking. And yeah. I think this is one of the most legendary Premier League teams in terms of just like name drops in Premier League history at the very peak of their powers. So if it were just up to me, honestly, I'd be sending this United team through over a City team that did put up seven points more than this United team, but I just think the firepower on this United team, especially up front that season, I think I'd put them through as the 11 seed. I think it's easy to discount this City team because of the team that of the way they performed the year before, um. But I I I believe I I agree with you that there's more like all time firepower on this United team, um, and we could say City were the benefit of Guardiola. Obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson can't argue with that, um, but this team probably played better than the sum of its parts. While United were carried by sheer talent. Um and managerial experience. Um, let's do it. First upset. Uh, United, nineteen ninety nine two thousand over City, uh, eleven over the six. You know it's March Madness. Mm-hmm. Got to have some upsets, right? They're twelve points better off than the treble winning team the year before. By the way, this United wow. team. There you so, go. So heavily underseeded, I'd say. The two versus the fifteen. Looking at the Invincibles of 03-04 versus Manchester City 13-14. Number two Invincibles versus City 2013-2014. Let's get into the Invincibles. You know them. You love them. Jens Lehmann, Ashley Cole, Sol Campbell, Colo Torre, Lauren at right back. Patrick Vieira, Gilberto Silva in the midfield with Perez and Lundberg right wing, left wing. And then that striking duo of Dennis Bergkamp 
and Thierry Henry versus the 15 seed uh, Manchester City, Joe Hart and goal, Clichy Dimachilis. Dimachilis? I believe is how you say it. Dimachilis. I don't know. It, I think I said it the, 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 the Spanish way, <laughs> no? I guess not. Um, company to his right, Zabaleta at right back, CDM Fernandinho, two center mids, David Silva and Yaya Torre, and then Negredo, Nazari, and Sergio Grau at striker. Not much to say about this Invincibles team. They were the peak of Arsene Wenger's power, the peak of Terry Henry's power, Dennis Bergkamp, Patrick Vieira, all solidified themselves as Premier League greats of the season. All of them did, but specifically these these you know these powerhouses. Um, certainly the what what gave. Arsene Wenger, his his class moment as an Arsenal manager. He he had two titles to that point. Um, but yeah, this it's it's just the Invincibles. Yeah, there's not much more you have to say about them. Every player in their prime: Henri, Bergkamp, Vieira, Pires. There's really not much more to say. I mean, we'll we'll talk about them more when we really have to get into closer matchups. I mean, this city mm-hmm. team. You know, in my opinion, um, I don't know if they should really be in this tournament. They were a good team that won mm-hmm. the title, but it was that t- season will always be defined by Liverpool choking mm-hmm. that year. Of course, Gerard slip. Uh, Yaya Torre was really the standout player this year, had yeah. one of the best midfield seasons in Premier League history. So I think that definitely deserves a mention. Of course, Aguero had. Mm-hmm was up to his usual standards 20 plus goal year for him but other than that uh it was a not particularly outstanding title victory like i said this season was more about liverpool not winning than city winning the title so i comfortably put the invincibles through and that's what we'll do and for the final game of the first round we shall go for Leicester 2015-16 versus Manchester City 21-22. Starting with the Leicester team. Casper Schmeichel in goal. Christian Fuchs at left back. Wes Morgan, Robert Huth, Danny Simpson rounding out the defense. Conte and Drinkwater in the midfield. Albrighton and Mares on the wings. And then Shinji Okazaki and Jamie Vardy um, playing the striker positions this the, the it's tough to fuck this one up when you're the website that gave us these lineups because literally everyone was healthy for the entire yeah. season and nobody moved i literally think 38 games went by and nobody like it was the same 11 um versus the 2021-2022 Manchester City team of last season Ederson, Cancelo, Diaz, Laporte and Walker the defensive unit Rodri at CDM, Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne running out the midfield and then Sterling, Mares, and then Foden as that popular false nine option over Jesus. Um, I mean, Manchester City is a better team by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's tough not to say, to like just look at this Leicester team as like, I don't think this Leicester team would necessarily lose. No. To this, both city of these team. city or both of these teams lost three games 
in each of those respective seasons. Now, mind you, Lester drew 12, and I think City only drew like six, maybe. And obviously, that's why I scored, mm. you know, 12 more points. I, my math is correct there. I won't go back and bother checking. But <laughs> hey, this is, a, this is a bracket, all right? And Leicester City are, you know, Loyola Chicago, if we want to do a good, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, Madness good analogy. March Madness analogy. So if we're talking about who'd be better in, you know, you know, one versus one, I don't know if that's the parameters we're using. I don't know if we're just trying to make up parameters so that we can put Lester through just based on pure nostalgia, <laughs> which is clearly what I'm trying to do here. But no, you definitely would have to say that it's, it's a close matchup. Of course, City have the quality, but Lester, to use the politically correct term, just had that dog in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they... They they didn't go into a single game that season thinking, okay, like, we are not the best team on the field. At, they went up against an Arsenal team that was clicking with Sanchez and Ozil, um, and they they lost both games, but they were still, like, just very, very, like, formidable, and just, they never abandoned their style. Riyad Mahrez had, in my opinion, the best Premier League season ever. Like, that... That season was magical yeah. from Riyad Mahrez. What he had to do for this team, him and Vardy, to get them to the point of winning the effing title in the season. Granted, it was a, you know, a perfect storm yeah. in a sense. You drop this Leicester team into any season after 2018, and they probably struggle to make top four, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, City and Liverpool would beat the shit out of it. The, the, the new City and Liverpool would beat this team probably twice. That being said, they beat, uh, you know, Wayne Rooney United team. They beat a Chelsea team that was very good, that won the, that, you know, this is their 10th place season, but they just won the league, and they won the league after this. Um, like. They never saw a team that changed their game plan, that changed the the way they played the game. They every single game it was like, okay, this is the one they're gonna slip. And it was like Crystal Palace away, and they just beat them three nothing, like comfortably. JB JB this season was just simply magical. That being said, you want to look at this city team. Up and down the starting eleven is magic. And then the, you got to realize they got Grealish, Z- Jesus, Zinchenko, Nathan Ake, John Stones, Gunduan, and Fernandinho on the bench. Yeah. All seven of these guys get into the Leicester team preseason. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous, this team. Um, I think Leicester are just going to lose in the next round, so I want to put City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I... I want to put Leicester through, but this city team is just, they're just better. And it's really hard to make an argument that they're not. Yeah. And that's the way it'll sit. Going, moving into the Elite Eight, starting off with our one versus eight. Or eight, eight or nine. matchup. Eight, yeah. Yeah, eight. Uh, back-to-back teams. 16-17 so versus 17-18. The 16-17 Chelsea Blues versus the 17-18 Manchester City Centurions. Um, we, we know about the Centurions. This 16-17 Chelsea team, Costa, Pedro, Hazard, Willian, um, Golakante player of the season. 
I mean, it's solid, uh, but it needs to be special to beat these Centurions because they were just so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, in a 1-8 matchup, this Centurions team still just wipes the floor with mm. the, this Chelsea team. Again, really good Chelsea team. Only seven points worse off than the Centurions, but just the way they pl- City played throughout the entirety of the season. I mean, Chelsea got off to a pretty rough start. Uh, that year, actually, I mean, they lost three nothing at the Emirates in September. Like it was not, you know, all, you know, rainbow and sunshine. But City just walked over almost anybody they played that year. So again, no real debate again on this one. I think we we wait to and to debate them until next yeah. round because they they're gonna have a, definitely a challenge in the next one. Um. 16-17, Chelsea gets knocked off. Our second Elite Eight matchup, the United Treble winners of 98-99 versus Chelsea 0-4-0-5. Um, we know about these treble winners. Um, Dwight York, Andy Cole, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane, David Beckham, Gary Neville at right back, Peter Schmeichel in goal. Um, then you got... <clears throat> where are we? Yes. Uh, Drogba, Robin, Lampard, Cole, Makalele's prime season, John Terry, Peter Cech and goal, um, Petr Cech, I should say. Uh, what do we got? I think when you're comparing these teams on paper and their overall just, like, status, I think this trouble-winning team... Mm-hmm comes out on top easy but yeah again i'll i'll say that this treble winning team was not the prime of that united team Mm. in terms of performance in terms of what they accomplished winning the treble of course you know it's the greatest achievement of you know united's history or great single season achievement in united's history but it was really the next year where i think that they were just really playing their best soccer they Won the Champions League, of course, with those two stoppage time goals. Uh, and they won the title on the final day by one point with 79 mm-hmm. points. They didn't even hit the 80-point mark. One of the lower tallies that teams ever won the Premier League with. So, obviously, you can say a bunch of ifs, and I don't like saying if because they did, in fact, win the treble, and they absolutely deserve credit for that. But they're playing a Chelsea team that was in their absolute prime. This is the best version of Chelsea mm-hmm. uh, that we've seen in their history up to this point, really. Again, <laughs> I'll, I'll say it once, but 15 goals conceded in yeah. a Premier League season. I don't, I don't think any teams come within eight or nine of that in a season yeah. and we're never going to see the likes of it again and still give this Chelsea team some credit too in terms of you know their star power Frank Lampard was their top scorer from midfield yeah. uh, Didier Drogba still coming into his own he was a young striker but still really good Ian Robin starting you know his illustrious career Claude McAuley the heart of the midfield but of course the star of the show is really the defense Gallas Terry Carvalho, uh, Palo Ferreira, Petr Cech. I think 
putting these two teams, if you put these two teams against each other, I think Chelsea comes out on top. I think so too. I, I, it's just tough to, <laughs> to look at all these like literal like legends mm-hmm. in this United team. Not that Chelsea don't have their own. I mean, Makaleli like reinvented the CDM position this season. Um, but Dwight York, Andy Cole, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane, David Beckham, like Jesus effing Christ, and then Pet- Peter Schmeichel and goal, who's arguably the greatest Premier League keeper in history. Um, but I do acknowledge your passion. And we will send through, for the interest of time, the Chelsea 2004-2005 team. Moving on to our third Elite A matchup. The 1920 Liverpool team versus the 99-2000 United team. This 1920 Liverpool team, we know all about it. Firmino, Mane, Salah making up the front three. Robertson, Van Dyke, Arnold. Alexander Arnold, that is, and then Alison Becker and goal. Just one of the absolute prime teams we've seen in world football, let alone the English Premier League. Versus our only upset of the first round, I believe. Uh the United team of ninety nine two thousand, very similar to the team we just talked about, but like Ethan said, firing just a little bit harder. Yeah, and this is just another really, really tasty matchup because it's it's prime United, really. It's prime United versus yeah. prime Liverpool. And mm-hmm. it is a really, really tough matchup. As much as I would love to see the 11 seed go another round, make it to the Final Four, I just think that Liverpool do kind of match United in the attacking front in terms of you know them with Salah and Mane that season compared with uh, Dwight York and Andy Cole. I think they, you know, if they kind of cancel each other out. And then when you look at the rest of the squad, obviously, uh, Skulls, Keen, more legendary players than, you know, the likes of Wijnaldum and Fabinho. But that season, they were really playing, like, Premier League legends. And defensively, yep. you had Van Dijk, who I believe finished second in the Ballon d'Or. That year in 2019, behind Messi, by like mm-hmm. less than like a single percent. Yeah, uh, a lot. A lot of people thought he were, he was robbed of that one. Yeah, yeah. Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson just completely, you know, redefining the attacking role of uh, wingbacks. This this was a really legendary Liverpool team, and I think in terms of overall quality again in that specific year they don't this Liverpool team can't compare in terms of longevity because obviously that United team won three titles in a row and it's because of how Mm. good those players were but in that specific season I do have to take Liverpool yeah I agree um like and if you want to like say like oh look at the names in this United team like Salah's gonna score more goals than Dwight York at the, at the at the rate he's at, like, and Andy Cole, like, and David Beckham and Trent Alexander Arnold are, are pretty similar in the in the way they like they're free kick takers, they're 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 assist getters. Like, obviously, David Beckham is is more of a has more prestige to him at this point in his career. But you know, look back in twenty years, and a lot of that is going to be very similar. Um, but Liverpool is going to have that that extra X factor with Van Dyke, Allison, 
Andrew Robertson on the other wing. Sadio Mane is a fucking Ballon d'Or contender every year. Like, this is, uh, I don't think this is, it's not a no-brainer, but I, I don't really have any doubt. And our last Elite Eight matchup, Arsenal 03-04 versus City of 2021-2022. Um, the Invincibles of 03 uh, versus last year's champions who are perhaps the deepest squad we've ever seen in the Premier League. So really we're looking at, you know, a team that puts up that has put up some of the greatest individual performances ever versus a squad that can, you know, you have has a B team that could would whoop Arsenal's B team this yeah. year. If you if you mm-hmm. take all the starting eleven off of both teams, it's probably six nil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a city. Um but that's not what we're going for here. Um what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh like you said the depth on City's team just blows this Invincibles team out of the water. It really was this starting eleven that that did mm-hmm. the deed this year. And but that's all they really needed. They didn't really have to go deep into their bench to do well that year. And you know, Henri with 30 goals that year. There was no real other than Kevin De Bruyne, not as many standout performances from City last season. Of course, everyone just played to the normal high standards that would be expected of a Guardiola City team. But nobody really had, you know, icon an iconic season other than Kevin De Bruyne, who really, you know, led from midfield with his goal scoring contributions. But I I don't think I could put them over this Invincibles team. Just to be to be unbeaten is something that City City would have had to have a couple more standout performances from individuals for me to put them in a debate with this Invincibles team. But I just don't think there was enough from them that year to put them in a debate with the Invincibles. So that rounds out our final four, because I agree with you. I, uh, this last year's team was, was special for, for city. Um, but it, it wasn't as special as the invincibles, but let's be honest. I don't know too many people that are agreeing with that or disagreeing with that. And that brings us to our final four, starting off with city, 17, 18, Chelsea, Oh, four, Oh, five, the centurions versus that Oh, four Chelsea team. Getting down to the tight ones. Yeah, this this is really tough. I on an individual basis, I don't think it's much of a as much of a comparison. I do think that this city team probably has the better individuals over yeah this Chelsea 0405 team. But again, you just have to talk about how they played together as a team that season and it is a really really tough comparison because on the one hand you have you know the most fluid team that has ever graced the premier league in any single season and as of course the centurions but then you have this chelsea team that was just as close to unbeatable as you can come they lost one game all season one game uh it was in the first 10 weeks in October uh 
1-0 loss away from home to Man City. And obviously we're not talking about seasons after, but that was that season was the beginning of Chelsea's 86 game unbeaten run at home that lasted from 2004 till 2008 and that I feel like that just shows just how unbeatable this Chelsea side were and honestly I think they go through over the city team the city team had more quality but this Chelsea team was just more formidable I'd say I mean we've already talked about these teams so much I'm just saying if we're putting these teams in a bracket I think defense wins championships. That's just kind of my mm. mentality in mm. this tournament style. So Chelsea's my pick. A very close matchup, though. I I don't know if I agree with you. This is that this city team was was like superb. Like this is this is like you know Messi, Neymar, Suarez. Like, but they also have like a defense that like barely let in goals and like a midfield of like one of the best tens to play in the last 20 years. Like they like obviously Aguero, Jesus, Sterling is a messy name Neymar Suarez, but they played as well, if not better than MSN did over the course of their tenure. Like in this specific season, they were ridiculous. Um, David Silva was genius. De Bruyne was coming into his own. This was his kind of like, hey, I'm here season. Um, I mean, it's tough to look at a team with like Benjamin Mendy and like, not because of his like off the field history, yeah. but just like he wasn't that great. Um, but I don't know. This this is just a special like special team. I mean, a company was in this team too. Like, uh, I think when you look at depth. If you want to say they're equal on the field, I think City take it on depth. How are we deciding this? Rock, paper, scissors? You know what? I, I think that's a fair argument that right. in, a, in a tiebreaker, if you look at the depth of the City team, also the fact that they did have a greater point total than Chelsea, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give City the edge in that one. All right. There you have it. First member of the championship game, City 17-18. Our second matchup, Liverpool of 1920 versus the Invincibles. Short and sweet. Who do you got? I have the Invincibles. Uh, If the basis of my argument for Chelsea was just their formidability and their ability to just not lose games, then I have to apply the the same concept to this Arsenal team. Except they had even more just quality than mm-hmm. than Chelsea. Obviously they couldn't match the defensive record, but the style of play from this Arsene Wenger team, uh nobody compete could compete with them that season. This Liverpool team, again, the best we're essentially comparing the best version of Liverpool versus the best version of Arsenal. Mm-hmm. That's what it's come down to. Uh but I think Arsenal have just done something that is just so memorable that season and the way the players just clicked especially from the front 
is something that I think just edges this Liverpool team. And they did it in that in that United Golden Era as yeah. well. Like, um, they they weren't going up against Flukes. Obviously, Liverpool did it with Diddy's, you know, you know, God Squad. But, um, I mean, <sighs> I think on paper Liverpool are a better team. You look at the performances there. Um, but I think as a team, as a unit, neither of these teams were terribly deep. That Liverpool team, like who they got, Nevi Keita coming off the bench, mm. like, um, they weren't like ridiculously deep, but I, uh, the Invincibles were just special. And Thierry Henry, obviously, I think he's the greatest player in Premier League history. Um, and it would take Salah a whole lot more to, uh, a, a couple more years of, of standout quality to even touch his level. Uh, not to mention Dennis Burkamp is one of the most technical players to ever play the game. Um, so I, I think, and Patrick Vieira in the midfield, I think with Liverpool's team is they had no midfielders. Like, Fabinho was fine, but, like, Henderson had a good season. Henderson, Henderson had a good season, but he's not a great midfielder. Yeah. Um, and then Wijnaldum was there, who they got from Newcastle, and he filled the he filled the role. Like, they didn't need that midfield. They need the midfield to stand there and connect the defense to the attack, and the attack would do the rest. Um, not discounting anything they did. They were an awesome, awesome team and just so hard to play against. But I think this, this Arsenal team goes through. And then the championship. Let's get right into it. Run a little long on this yeah. pod. <laughs> I can't believe I but suggested doing 64 teams <laughs> before this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the Invincibles versus the Centurions. <clears throat> get into it. Want to say who we pick on three and then we'll defend? All right. Yeah. Three, two, one. Century. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think the fact that this city team was 10 points better than Arsenal I mean, both these teams obviously won the title, and Arsenal, of course, going unbeaten is just something that takes that little bit extra. But the quality of this city team as a whole is just a bit above mm. Arsenal's level that season. Arsenal, of course, you know, the seasons that Henri and Bergkamp and Pires produced produced some fantastic performances and some memorable moments. But you know, it's the games that, you know, people don't remember. Just, you know, City beating, like, Stoke, like, 7-2. Or just absolutely just destroying, you know, mid-table teams just week in, week out. The Invincibles, you know, won games and didn't lose games. And that's what made them invincible. But the City team just... They won games comfortably, and they yeah. strolled through that season. Yeah, that, I mean, this was uh, it just the prime of Guardiola. I mean, if you, I, I, if somebody wants to come up to me and say Guardiola is a better manager than Arsene Wenger, I don't think I would have too many arguments against that. He was, he, he's just an unbelievable manager. Um, he is up there with the greatest of all time. I think he is the greatest manager in the history of, of soccer, Pep Guardiola. Um, 
for what he's he did with this team and with every team he has coached before. Granted, were those teams Manchester City, Bayern Munich, and Barcelona? Sure. But um, I think he's the greatest manager in the history of the sport, and he worked his magic on this team because this team is probably this, this team is you know fantastic and deep and has a lot of quality but this team clicked like no team i've ever seen before um it clicked almost as much as the way he got the barcelona team to click with with, uh with messi um but yeah this is this is a absolutely spectacular feat in in managing um and then you got the players as well the sergio Aguero, premier league legend david silva top of his game i mean i got i went through it already but um the reason I have it over this 0304 team is because you want if you want to look at those results, Arsenal, you know, they weren't beating the shit out of teams. <laughs> um like like you know, like uh City were. Um obviously not because the Centurions had uh, quite a few more points than they did coming into the season, but yeah, uh when it comes to uh, if you put these teams in, you know, in a simulation together and you play them 10 times, I think the Centurions win 7 out of 10 at least. Um Probably a lot of draws in there, but if you want to play until one team gets seven wins, I think uh, I think the Centurions get there first. So there you have it, the two-man wall greatest team ever, the Centurions of 17-18. I mean, it's a little little vanilla. They were our one seed, but there's a reason they were the one seed because yeah. they are the consensus best team ever. I th- not consensus, but obviously not consensus is a crazy debate. Um, but I think if you ask, everyone that they they nudge it out by just that that small margin um with that sorry for the uh long podcast the this week um but we, it's a fun one you know it's an yeah. international break you you don't gotta listen to this shit it's the international <laughs> break we got some more content next week if you didn't make it to the end so be it if you did make it to the end thank you for sticking with us um hopefully you yeah, it sparks some debate maybe you're yelling at us about the liverpool versus arsenal one the last round because I think Liverpool could easily gone through with that, and a, a nice Liverpool nineteen twenty versus Centurions matchup in the final would have been a nice heated debate because yeah. those teams were <laughs> la- largely went against each other for that period. Um, but with that, we'll see you next week with Match Week twenty nine. Adios. See ya.